Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. I teach you God's Word today. Would you open up again to the book of Luke chapter 10? And um, in Luke chapter 10, today I want to talk to you about power seeding. The title of my teaching today is called Power Seeding. You know, back when I was younger, when we would buy a car, there was an option of regular seating or power seating. You know, regular seating, and some Jeeps and some cars still have that where you just gotta, you kinda gotta put your hand underneath the seat and pull the lever and, so, and, and then, you know, push yourself forward or push yourself back, right? That's not power seating, that's manual seating, right? And then, though, they came out with these gadgets and they used to be like, um, like, radio dials on the side of the of the um on the side of the 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 door of your car and you'd push it forward or you push it back or you push it either way and it would it would go up and down or you know come in and out and uh that was called power seating back you know in the 70s and the 80s that was just new at that time and um and it was really a cool feature so it was so simple to just push a button and your your seat you have the power to move your seat. You have the power to control your seat. And so I kind of, it's a play off of words because I want to talk to you about the power of where you're seated. And this story in Luke chapter 10 is when Mary and Martha invited Jesus over to their house, you remember. And um, I'll just take you over there, Luke chapter 10. Let's study the Bible together, okay? And uh, you'll really get something out of this. We're going to pick up where we left off. But Luke chapter 10 in the verse is verse 38. Now they were traveling along. He entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. Boy, there's power in the seat at his feet. There is power in the seat sitting at his feet. And so I think the, we went on television many years ago for the first time, and I think that was the first series I preached on, sitting at the feet of Jesus. In fact, we actually titled the, the television program that. It was actually called Sitting at the Feet of Jesus with Gregory Dickow, or it might have just not even had my name, it was just Sitting at the Feet of Jesus, you know, just with a Middle Eastern guy. That's all anybody knew. Nobody saw me on TV before. I'd never been on TV before. And um, so we called the, the program Sitting at the Feet of Jesus in the first several weeks, actually taught from this chapter several weeks. And um, I spoke about it on the radio too. And somebody, um, it was uh, Rick Tremonto, a famous chef in America, a, a member of Life Changers Church. And, this is like 20-something years ago now, but he said he heard me talk about sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was listening on the radio. He pulled the car over. He listened to everything I said. He said he just started crying on the side of the road, and he got born again. He gave his life to Jesus right there on the side of the road, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his car. You know, there's power in the seat at the feet of Jesus, and that's what we're talking about together today. And I really want you to stay uh, focused with me today because I really want you to hear from heaven. I want you to hear the voice of God through my voice. Not that my voice is the voice of God in any stretch, but I want you to hear the voice of God through 
what I'm saying and what I'm sharing with you. And I want you to, I want you to, to know that God's got, God went to a lot of trouble. He didn't cause any of the problems that are happening in this world, but he went to a lot of trouble in the midst of all the problems in this world to get our attention. He went through a lot to get our attention, to learn how to take care of the elderly, how to care for our loved ones that are sick, how to treat our brothers and sisters with equality. Well, if you think about all the things that God has, all the good that has come out of this, and there have been some really bad things, the killing, the riots, not it's obviously different than protesting. You know, their violence is not is not the way. But I know you guys understand the difference to those things. But the good that has come out of this, this relentlessness to make sure everybody experiences equality. And really, that's only guaranteed with Jesus. He's the one that lifts us all up and seats us with him in heavenly places. And that's where you're really going to get your biblical equality the way God intended is take your seat with Christ in heavenly places. That's the power seat. You got the power seating. And um, but um, God's got my attention. At first, I was just like, we got to get through this. Got to believe God. <laughs> back in March, we were like, man, we got to get to back to church on Easter, <laughs> which was like feels like a year ago now, right? We got to get back to church at the beginning of April. We got to get back to church on Easter. Oh, we think we could get it done by May 1st. Now here we are. What's the date today, man? It's way past that, right? And I just, there were things that I wanted to get across to our government. There's things that I wanted to share and I needed to share as a, as a leader in our community. And, and in our nation, I wanted to say some things and, and I got I said those things and I got that fish out of my aquarium. But then God got a hold of me and he said, son, I want to show you something. And he began to show me things like I heard. Haven't heard the voice of God as clearly. As I have in the last couple of months, in the last three months. And part of it is because I'm not I learned I'm not in a hurry. I'm I'm hurrying up to listen. I'm hurrying. I'm in a hurry to listen. I'm in a hurry to trust. I'm not in a hurry to force church service on site. I'm not in a hurry to make sure that, you know, we do it our way. God wants us to learn ways that we haven't learned before. He wants us to hear things that we haven't heard before. He wants us to pay attention to people that we haven't paid attention to before. He wants us to elevate the lowly in ways that we haven't elevated them before. He wants us to love one another in a way we haven't loved one another before. He wants us to take care of our health in a way that we haven't taken care of our health before. He wants us to sit and listen in a way that we haven't sat and listened before. And I don't want us to miss this moment. I don't want us to miss this moment at all. I don't want you to miss this moment. 
So I want you to locate yourself. Martha was distracted, it says here in verse 40, distracted with all the preparations, distracted with all the worry, all the things she had to do. Look at what it says. She was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and she said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of this work myself? Don't you care? Don't you care? Boy, when you start asking God and start challenging Jesus about whether he cares, you really in the flesh, <laughs> you know, I don't mean Hulk Hogan in the flesh. I don't mean in the flesh, baby. I don't mean that in the flesh. I mean, you're in the flesh where you are out of the, you're not walking in the spirit. You're not you're not listening and surrendering to love and surrendering to the voice of God and surrendering to the spirit of God like she, this. She's like, you don't care. Like if you really were listening to the truth, you would know that he cares. You would know the Bible says casting all our cares on him for he cares for us. But she was distracted with all these cares. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone and tell her to help me? We went through that. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, there are some things I want to say about that. But I want you to connect sitting at the feet of Jesus with sitting at the table as a disciple of Jesus. And I want you to associate that with being seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we're sitting. So we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, which is the same as sitting at his table which is the same as sitting with him in heavenly places. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We're seated with him at the table. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. What is the table of the in the presence of our enemies is the presence of God and the Lord's presence scatters our enemies. We don't have to be afraid of our enemies because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, that table of communion, that table of his presence, that table. You know that the the bread of communion in the Old Testament is called the bread in, in the book of Exodus. It's called the bread of his presence. One translation calls it the bread of his presence. One translation calls it the bread of his face. So when you're taking communion, you're literally sharing in the face of God. You're sharing the face. You're his face is with you. His presence is with you. His face is smiling at you because you're celebrating what Jesus did. Boy, you have the joy you have. You have God pleased when you believe you've received what Jesus paid for you to have, beginning with salvation and a relationship with God. That's what pleases God. Take what Jesus gave you and then take your seat. And, you know, for those of you that listened to me earlier today, we mentioned that from the time we're born, I mean, from the time we're born, we understand where our seat assignment is. When you're a baby, you're in the baby seat. When you're in the car, you're in the car seat. When you're a little kid, when you are eating, you're in the 
the, the what do you call it? The, um, what do you guys, what do we call the, the booster seat? <laughs> Some of you, come on, where's my short brothers and sisters need a booster seat? <laughs> God, I'm just playing with you. But, um, and then you get to school and what do you get? You get your seat assignment. You know, they show you the seat assignment. You don't just go, nobody goes to first grade and just sits wherever they want. They sit where, the, you know, we're, we sit where we're told. Yeah, there's a seating chart, you know? And, um, and then on a plane, you have a seat assignment at a concert. Anybody ever heard of one of those? You have a seat assignment at an athletic event, at a sporting event. What do you have? You have a, you have a ticket with a seat assigned. And where do you go when you get to that when you arrive to the destination, what do you do? You find your seat. And so the only time we're not looking for our seat is when we somehow when we become Christians and we go to church and we don't realize that God has a seat for us at his table, seated with him in heavenly places. And we sit at his feet to listen and to learn from him. But make no mistake about it. The seat at his feet is above all principalities and power. The seat at his feet, you might think, oh, sitting at his feet, that's sort of on the ground. We got to remember where he is. He's in heaven. So sitting at his feet is above all principalities and all powers and over every name that is named. You're seated above that with Christ in heavenly places. So we need to get a hold of the seating chart spiritually speaking and realize whoa we're seated above the devil we're seated above all the demons we're seated above the principalities and powers we're seated above all the world crises we're seated above sickness and disease we're seated above all power it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 through the end of the chapter, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, we are seated with him in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and over every name that is named. Wow. Take your seat. It doesn't mean take your seat in the back. It means take your seat next to Jesus where you're seated with him in heavenly places. But I want you to right now locate yourself because I'm talking about closeness with God and I'm talking about power seating. And I want you to locate yourself. Remember what I talked to you about? The five different stages of discipleship. And they're all good. It's just the fifth one is the best. The first one is the multitudes. There were five groups of people that followed Jesus in the Bible. There were the multi, I mean, aside from the Pharisees, I'm talking about the people that actually followed him. There were the multitudes and their prayer was, Lord, feed me. Then there were the 70 disciples and their prayer was, Lord, teach me. And then there was the 12 apostles and their prayer was, Lord, use me. And then there were the three, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus took to special places. Their prayer was, Lord, take me. And then 
there was John, the beloved of Jesus, and his prayer was, Lord, love me. And you see, this is the progression that God wants us to follow, is that early on when we're first born again, we're like the multitudes, Lord, feed me. Then we grow and we want teaching, Lord, teach me. Then, wow, I have gifts and I'm supposed to be used by God. I'm supposed to, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm a contributing part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah, Lord, use me. Then we want to go where not everybody maybe is willing to go. Lord, take me. And those are all precious prayers, and precious people. And we're all in those places. But I want you to be, and we don't choose the fifth place or we don't choose the fifth group in exclusion to the other four things. We, we still want God to feed us. We still want him to teach us. We still want him to, to use us. We still want him to take us. But our highest prayer is, Lord, love us. Lord, love me. Lord, love me. Jesus, love me. You know, I want to, I didn't get to this, but I wanted you to see, remember in John 13, 23, and I want to remind you of this verse again, John 13, 23, remember? It says, there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John. That's Mary, right? That's also Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, but I want you to, I want you to see this phrase, reclining at Jesus' bosom. And then I want you to go over to John chapter 1, verse 18. And I want you to see something. John chapter 1. And it says, in verse 18 of John chapter 1, I just want to read it to you. I know you probably already see it on the screen. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, Jesus that is, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Notice that same phrase, in the bosom. It's such a tender word. It's such a close word. It's the most intimate word in the bosom of the father. You bring somebody when your know, mother brings her baby into her bosom like that's I know it's kind of a funny word when you think about the word by itself bosom like when you pronounce it it sounds like from a foreign language right it, so, it sounds like it's got to be a different like bosom it doesn't you know we don't really use that hey what's happening in your bosom lately nobody really uses that, that word right but there's a closeness and there's an intimacy to that word. And it says, so see, Jesus, Jesus extended to John what the Father extended to him. Jesus always extends to us what the Father extends to him. The Father extends to Jesus Come on, son, you're in my bosom. You're, he hugs him. He's closest to him. There's just such closeness. There's this divine love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I, it's a mystery. 
understand that. It's a mystery, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one God with three distinct personhoods is a mystery. We only will understand it all when we get to heaven. You won't really, but we can, we can comprehend the concept, but not really understand what the concept fully means or how it's, how that all exists in heaven. But we will see one day. But so Jesus is in the bosom of the father. He doesn't say he was. He says he is. He says no one has seen God at any time on earth at that time. And it says the only begotten, no one had seen him yet. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the father. He's in the bosom of the father. This is what explains Jesus. This is what explains him. It says this is what explains him. What explains him? Love explains him. And then Jesus extends to John in John 13, 23. John reclines on Jesus bosom. The one whom Jesus loved. Now, listen, we're going somewhere with this. Where are we going? We're going to the other side. I want you to hear God's abundantly using this season in the world to get our attention so that we will focus on what's most necessary in life. And it starts with closeness with God, intimacy in the bosom of Jesus. He's reclining. Look at Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to dismiss Judas to go and betray him. He's about to be denied. He's about to be beaten. He's about to be his flesh ripped apart. He's about to be crucified. And what do we find him doing? Reclining at the table. And letting John rest his head upon his bosom. That's you. That's me. No wonder John lasted. I'm not saying that any of the disciples, any of the other other apostles did anything wrong. Everybody dies. But I wonder if what made John endure so long and endure such harsh treatment that he endured. If you study the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll see the incredible sacrifice that these early apostles and disciples made. And John just lived into his 90s to where they couldn't shut him up, they couldn't kill him, they couldn't get rid of him, they put him on an island, thought, we'll put him on this desert island where nobody ever will ever hear from him again. And there on that island, he writes the book of Revelation like that is God's sense of humor. Okay, uh, Mr. Caesar or whoever put him in diatrophies or diotomies or one of the emperors sent him to the island of Patmos where he was by himself on this island. Like if you saw, um, you know, the movie with Hanks when he did the, um, when he's castaway. Thank you. The the multitudes in our church building just told me that, reminded me of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> there are no multitudes in the church building. The multitudes are at home right now. Um, but like being alone on this, he was all alone on this desert island and that emperor thought, I'm going to shut this apostle John up for good. He's going to be alone on that island and Jesus shows up. An angel shows up. John falls at the feet of the angel and the angel says to him, write these things down and guess what comes out of that? Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 22. And the last verse of the Bible, behold, I'm coming quickly. That's mind-blowing stuff to me. John had the last word. John had the last word. He who testifies to these things says, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. That's the gospel. This right here, John sums it all up in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 and 21. The whole gospel. I'm coming quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. Grace be with you. Back to the topic of the bosom. The bosom of the Father the bosom of Jesus. You're going through a tough time right now. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters, but it doesn't matter what it is to God. He has one remedy. Learn to locate yourself. Where? In the bosom of the Father. In the bosom of Jesus. I want to read a scripture to you in Song of Solomon. Look, look at this. You're going to blow, this is going to blow your mind like it does mine every time I see this. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Doing what? Leaning. What was... Jesus doing leaning in the bosom of the Father. What was John doing leaning in the bosom of Jesus? What is this girl doing that represents the church? This woman in Song of Solomon, chapter 8. This is the church, the bride of Christ. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? You ready to come up from your wilderness of sickness? You ready to come up from your wilderness of darkness? You ready to come up from your wilderness of depression? You ready to come up from your wilderness of financial burdens? You ready to come up from your wilderness of anxiety? You ready to come up from your wilderness of fear? Are you ready to come up from your wilderness of relationship problems? Are you willing to come up from your wilderness of loneliness? Are you willing to come up from your wilderness of, of anxiety and fear, worry? Are you ready to come up from your wilderness of distractions and unnecessary things? Well, who is the one? He asks the question. It's a rhetorical question because the answer is within the question. 
He says, who is the one? Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Who's the one coming up from the wilderness? The one leaning on her beloved. The one leaning in the bosom of Jesus. The one leaning into hearing the voice of God's love. The one leaning into closeness with God. And the devil has been shaming Christians into this deception and this lie that God is far from you and you're far from him. Oh, you just blew it. You just went. You took one step forward. You just took five steps back. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not five steps further away. The Lord is not anywhere further from you than he's always been. The nearness of God is with you in his bosom and in yours. You he in you and you in him. I in them and they in me, Jesus said to the father. He said, I in thou, thou in me, me in you, them in me, me in them, them in you. This closeness, this intimacy, this the, the way that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit model this union is the same way that he models, that Jesus models it with you. He says, the, the Father and me, Father, you and me and the church. It's a precious trinity. The church that is occupied by the Holy Spirit who lives inside. You see, the Holy Spirit is not in heaven. The Holy Spirit is in the church. The Holy Spirit is in his people. We are the part. And don't don't miss. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying we are deity. I'm not saying we are God, but we are caught up in the Trinity because the Father, Son and Holy Spirit have never been separated and they never will be separated. And now we're caught up with them. With him because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You see, the Holy Spirit is in the church. That's why church today, whether it doesn't matter if we're if we're online around the world or if we're in our buildings, we're the church and we are carrying the Holy Spirit and we are in the bosom of the father and he is in our bosom. And we have such a, a privilege, such a privilege of closeness with God that we need to realize when all is said and done, God's wanted this closeness with you, this intimacy with you. He's wanted this. He's wanted us to ditch the distractions. You think about it. There were no, no sports for three months, no movies for three months, no entertainment for three months, no restaurants for three months that you could go in. If there was ever a time to discover what God has been trying to get our attention about all our lives, it's now. Let's not miss this moment. They say the virus is spiking around the country. I don't know if it's as strong. I don't know if it's if it's strong. I don't know. There's so much. There's so many question marks about it. I'm not I'm not 
trying to be a scientist here. I'm trying to tell you some states are putting a halt on their reopening in stages. And, I, and I'm not saying whether that's good or bad, but what I am saying is maybe God is, maybe instead of a second wave of the virus, maybe God has given us a second wave of an opportunity to draw near to him. You want to come up out of the wilderness? Here's how it works. It's not a bunch of yelling at the wilderness and screaming at the wilderness and crying in the wilderness. You want to come up from the wilderness? Lean into the bosom of the one who loves you. Become the disciple who leans and understands what God is trying to say. You know, if you look at Mary back in Luke, what happened when she sat at the feet of Jesus? Well, the only way to really know is to contrast her and Mary, her and Martha. So he says, Mary, in verse 39, was listening to the Lord's word. You know, when we listen to God, and I don't mean, I mean, I don't mean like, okay, I gotta obey, I gotta go, I gotta obey, I gotta obey, I gotta obey. I'm not, I'm talking about listening. I'm talking about hearing his heart. In his bosom is his heartbeat. He wants you to get in the rhythm of his heart, in the heartbeat of Jesus. He wants that rhythm. He, like when a mother has her baby in her bosom, the baby and her are breathing together. They're in a rhythm. They find that rhythm. And it's breathe in, breathe out. Otherwise, it'd be like kid be rolling all over the place if they were out of, if they were out of rhythm, you know? Man, we were so concerned with our first baby. Then we were really concerned with our second one. And then we were concerned with our third one. And then we thought about our fourth one. Then we forgot about our fifth one. He rolled off the bed. Boom. <laughs> Just kidding, my man. Uh, the rhythm. You see, praise for what God has already done. That's the rhythm of Jesus' heart worshiping him getting our thinking in alignment with his thinking being in agreement with him that's worshiping him that's the rhythm wanting to talk to god and just listen to his voice that's the rhythm leaning leading with your ears lead with your ears you want to know how to be a good leader lead with your ears don't lead with your mouth lead with your ears that's how to be a good leader and a good follower and Mary listened. Martha was worried. Look at what it says in Luke 10, uh, 41. It says, Martha, Martha, you're worried. Number one, she was worried. 
Number two, you're bothered. In verse 40, it says, if you go back to verse 40, it says she was distracted. So she's worried, she's bothered, and she's distracted. So when you lean into the bosom of Jesus, you're going to stop worrying. When you lean into your beloved, I mean leaning into the love aspect of your relationship with God, not leaning in to say, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? It's, it's, he wants you to be seated. Sit with him. It's a sit, sit with him speaks of rest. Sit with him speaks of refreshing. Sit with him speaks of listening. Sit with him speaks of giving thanks. Sit with him speaks of eating, communing, fellowshipping. Mary was sitting. She was getting all the food she needed at the feet of Jesus. She didn't need Martha to come with that fruit tray. You understand, <laughs> understand what I'm saying? She didn't need uh, Martha to come with those nachos. Hey, I like him as much as anybody, but she, man, Mary was, Mary was good. Hey, I'm good. You want a ginger ale? No, I'm good. You want anything? I'm good. Uh, can I get you, you know, how about a, I'll throw in a pizza? I'm good. Mary's like, I'm good. Martha, just relax. So listen, leaning into love, leaning into the love of God, leaning into the love of God, leaning into the love God has for you. That's what Mary was doing. She was sitting there to receive the love. She was sitting there to be loved. She was seated there to be loved. She wasn't sitting there to tell God all that was hurting. I'm not saying there's not a, a time for that. Let him love you. Let him love you. Let him love you. We see it in the, father, the, the son in the bosom of the father, being loved by the father. We see John being in the bosom of Jesus, being loved by Jesus. We see the bride in Song of Solomon in the bosom of her groom, Jesus. Us, the church, in the bosom of Jesus. Listen, it says she was worried, Martha was, she was bothered. Man, you just always feel not just worried, but you're always like on edge. You're touchy, you're fretful, you're resentful. Everything is like, ah, doesn't feel right. That's Martha because she wasn't leaning into love. She was all about what she had to do for the Lord rather than what the Lord had for her, the love. The love of God is not anything more than that. There's not anything better than that. There's not anything bigger than that. There's not anything more powerful than that. There's not anything more relevant than that. There's not anything more healing than that. There's not anything more liberating than that. It says she was distracted, Martha was. The word distracted, I studied this word. It means to be dragged around by her circumstances. 
She's literally being dragged around by her circumstances, dragged around by her business responsibility, dragged around by what she thought was so important to be busy about. She's being led by her circumstances, dragged. And that, you, you can cut that thing. You can cut that. It doesn't mean you're not responsible for what you're responsible for, but you can cut the, the, the being dragged around by that stuff. How? By leaning into his love. And then Jesus said these powerful words. Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. You see, when you lean into love, you're going to be free from worry. When you lean into the love of God, you're going to, free, you're going to be free from being touchy. When you lean into the love of God, you're going to be free from being dragged around by life's circumstances. And when you lean into his love for you, you're going to know the difference between what's necessary and what isn't. You see that? He said only a few things are necessary. Really, only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chose, chosen the good part. God's trying to get our attention. Choose the good part. Stay with this theme we're talking about. Stay with me on this. Stay connected to this. Stay connect, connected to this love line. It's not just a lifeline. It's a love line. The love of God. And he says she's chosen. You see, when you lean into love, you make the right choices. When you lean into the love of God, you make the right choices. When you lean into the love of God, whatever you receive will never be taken from you. You're, when you lean in, here's how I wrote it down. Everything that, is a la everything that is a lasting good in our lives comes from when we lean into his love. Everything that is a lasting good. There are some things that are good, but they're not lasting. Everything that is a lasting good it lasts, it endures, it remains. He said, that's not going to be taken from her. That's what he means. Everything you get out of leaning into his love is going to be everlasting. My God. If you're watching today, I'm going to close. But if you're watching today and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you right now. You're not sure you're going to heaven? Pray with me right now. It's so simple. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. That's not complicated. Believe in the son and be saved. Just pray this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the dead. He's the son of God. And in his resurrection, he makes me your son or your daughter. I receive forgiveness. I receive new life in Jesus Christ. 
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I have a little book for you that I want you to get. It's called The Power of a New Life. It's a Bible study. It's the foundations that I had, that I saw God build in me, that I studied the Word of God and God built these things into me. I'm, I want to help you see Him build them in your life as well. So get this, get this, my gift to you. Download it for free. Wherever you are in the world, if you just prayed that prayer, anybody can, you can have it. Anybody can. You're like, ah, I got saved like 25 years ago, Pastor, and I still don't have a good foundation. Get that book. <laughs> get that book now. Okay, The Power of a New Life. It's my gift to you as well. Um, I'll see you guys tomorrow on our Daily Bread. It really has become a special community. If you're not on there, don't be condemned. You're still a part of this church family. Join for however as long or as little as you can if you want. But we'll be back here on Sunday morning for all of our services once again, online, locally, and around the world. I love you guys. Lord, bless every person with a revelation of your love that they would lean into in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you dearly. See you tomorrow. See you there or in the air. <laughs> God bless. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast for more amazing messages like the one you just heard. You can also search for Gregory Dickow on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for more great content to keep you going throughout the week.